0: Hi, I'm Annemarie Cox, and I am here to fuck up your timeline.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Dan Dresner. And I saw the white spikes open for Motley Crue in 1986, and they totally killed man.
0: <laughs> they killed everyone.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Except Tony space- Katane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is Space the Nation, where we talk about science fiction through the lens of international relations and Gramscian theory. Not so much the Gramscian theory, don't worry. Today we'll be talking about the Tomorrow War this is a special episode in case you didn't already realize it people who are listening now We have a lot more coming up, a lot more MCU and even more about Dune and a special episode that's an author interview. Dan, why should people become patrons of this show?
1: There are so many reasons why people should become patrons, Anna. I mean, first of all, you get obviously early access to, in fact, the podcast uh, episodes themselves. Second, you get to weigh in in terms of uh, AMAs that we do the first of every month. We will eventually do a patron-only episode again when we hit 250 subscribers, and you get to help choose on that. And also, there is a lovely discord channel which i don't do that much with but anna does and anna raves about it constantly and so therefore you know it creates a nice little community that you can be a part of and who doesn't want to be a part of a community
0: also you should become a patron because we're planning on doing more of these mini sodes Mm -hmm. as the spirit moves us because you know what sometimes people are talking about a show or a movie and we want to talk about it too but it's not really worth doing a whole episode (laughs) We kind of did this with the Snyder Cut, although that wound up being a whole episode. Dan, what are we talking about today?
1: We are talking about The Tomorrow War, which was released on Amazon Prime, starring Chris Pratt. Clearly, it was a movie that was intended to be a big, I believe, Christmas release, but because of the pandemic, wound up going to a streaming service uh, a little earlier than expected,
0: perhaps. And I will just add a little anecdota about why I thought we should do this at least as a minisode. sode. One is that I follow a bunch of conservatives on Twitter, like you should. Everyone should (laughs) follow people they don't agree with. And one of them was raving about this movie, which I had already seen at that point, so I was like, weird. (laughs) And then when I went to go see Black Widow, there were these two very dude bros sitting next to me, like gimme caps and everything, and they were talking about this movie before Black Widow started and how great it was. So I think this is where, whenever you have, like... This kind of weird, popular thing that's actually not that good? Yeah. I think so, it's worth talking about. So the
1: way I would put it, and I, here's well I'm trucking in my academic stuff, which is to say that, you know, cards on the table, this was a bad movie as far as I was concerned. I mean, there were a few good things in it, which we will get to, but it was mostly a really bad movie. But that said, I have been in many in an academic seminar where someone has presented a really bad paper and... It doesn't matter. The seminar is awesome because essentially everyone around the the table knows why the paper is bad, but they disagree on the various reasons why it's bad. And that actually produces a legitimately interesting conversation. And therefore, much like the Snyder Cut, this is worthy of its own conversation, I guess.
0: Also, I would say that this is a little selfish of us because we're contentizing conversations we would have anyway. Like, Dan and I do talk about stuff offline, like not on the podcast, and it would be something like this. So now we're just deciding to let y'all in on the conversation.
1: Cox Dresner, the basement tapes.
0: That's right. I'll just tell a little more about the story that I found by Googling. There's not a lot of backstory here. (laughs) The first thing I'll say is there's going to be a sequel, which if you've seen the movie, you might be wondering about. Because even if you liked it, It's a concept that's kind of hard to think about what a sequel would be, but they did sequels to Back to the Future, so I don't know. Anyway, there's going to be a sequel.
1: They did a sequel to Planet of the Apes. I mean, I think, look, people might accuse Hollywood of being derivative, but if there is money to be made, they will come up with a way to continue a story that seems like it's ended.
0: That is true. Also, it's a testament to just how quickly IP gets monopolized, you know, like if this is popular, we're going to make more of it. The scriptwriter, I believe, is a first-time scriptwriter named Zach Dean, and he said in an interview, the initial concept for the film came from him thinking about what it would be like to draft old, <laughs> like... You and I. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. parents. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people who are drafted are usually young. Mm-hmm. It is true. There have been times when people who are older get drafted, but yes, it is true that most of the time it is young people. mm mm-hmm. So that's actually kind of an interesting concept, I thought. Like, that sounds like a Scalzi novel to me.
1: <laughs> I guess, yeah. And,
0: and you could kind of just go, I think that you could kind of just go with that in some way.
1: But instead, but, they but instead, larded on a whole shit ton of other things.
0: There's a bunch of other stuff, and,
1: including I, a lot of other IP content. There's no other way yeah. to put this. Like, one of the fun <laughs> exercises, I, one of the legitimately fun exercises, I think, if you watch this film is to figure out how many other films it's ripping off.
0: Yeah. 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 And the other thing he said that I thought was interesting, and maybe a little Mm IRE, is that the White Spikes were supposed to be completely like amoral, purposeless killers. Hmm. Like a virus more than like an enemy. Except, it turns out they're biological weapons.
1: Yeah, maybe also. That's bad screenwriting then, because that is not how they come across. (laughs) There's no other way to put that.
0: (laughs) I mean. You know, I, I get they that. They do come across as, like, wanting to kill Right, but, but right? there is, Beyond like... Beyond the needs of breeding and food.
1: Yes, except the problem is, is that the guy clearly had watched aliens and so had to put the mommy, like, white right. spike in there. And that creates a problem because it means there's differentiation among the, the white spikes. It means there's gender. It, it automatically... It doesn't exactly humanize them, but it does make you think about their structure a little bit.
0: And it does give them some set of values. Right, presumably. Right? Yeah, Or like, purpose. Uh, purpose, yes. Yeah. So anyway, Zach may work his, out his issues in the next <laughs> Who Possibly. knows? I can already and, conceive,
1: by the way, of how he would actually do a sequel, but we'll get to that yeah. in a little bit.
0: All right. Dan, before we get to all of our other comments, yes, we actually are going to do a new thing here. You're going to do the first half of the movie, and then I'm going to do the second half of the movie. Yes, we're going to tell so, a plot. So
1: to be fair, if you are listening and you have not seen this movie and for some reason want to oh be God. surprised... Go watch the movie and then come back. If and you talk. want, if you it'll want, it'll be
0: funnier. I, it'll be funnier if you watch it.
1: It will be a little funnier if you watch it. On the other hand, if you don't want to waste two something hours of your life, you can listen to this, and we are about to fill you in on what happens. So the
0: entire the, like this is a pretty thorough. It's a thorough plot. A pretty thorough summary, yeah, actually. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so. Meet Dan Forrester, who is played by Chris Pratt. He is your typical ex-Special Forces aspiring super scientist with rock-hard abs, an adoring wife and daughter, and a great sense of humor and some father issues. He is hosting a Christmas party in 2022 and watching the World Cup being played in gutter when, whoa, soldiers from the future appear on the pitch and say they're fighting a war 30 years in the future against creatures called the White Spikes and they're losing and they need soldiers. So fast forward 12 months, a worldwide draft has been instituted and Dan gets drafted. The deal is that present day soldiers serve for seven days in the future and then are automatically sent back. The bad news is that the attrition rate is somewhere like 80 to 90 percent. And Dan's company lands in an overrun Miami, overrun by white spikes, and most of them don't escape. But Dan and some of his friends do. Still, the situation is pretty grim. There are only 500,000 humans left alive. Apparently, all of them are American and speak English. So, Dan meets his daughter Murray, who is now all grown up and is your typical super genius scientist smoke show played by Ivan Strahovsky. The two of them capture a female white spike who has heretofore been impervious to toxins. Muri successfully engineers a toxin and asks Dan to take it back in time to mass produce enough of it to kill all the white spikes because in the future, mankind is on the brink of destruction and they don't lack the facilities. But the mommy alien, I'm sorry, I mean White Spike, calls all the boy White Spikes and they overrun the offshore base just as Dan's week is up and he teleports back to 2023. The base in the future is overrun and therefore there is no more time travel. Dan returns to 2023 with this precious cargo, but since there's no chance to take it back to the future, no one seems to care, and apparently NATO is disbanded. Sure, okay, whatever. I'm going to say a lot more about this later. Um, Anna, (laughs) do you have any thoughts about the first, you know, two-thirds of the flick?
0: It's hard not to talk about—it's hard to save the criticisms, right? (laughs) Yes. Because, like— There's so much ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. I'll just stick with sort of the overall, the typical ex-Special Forces super scientist with rock hard abs part, (laughs) which, you know, sure, I guess. Yeah. You need to make a movie. It's a movie. I (laughs) I kind of get that. Yes.
1: Okay. Fair enough.
0: I think the thing that sort of blew me away about the they come from the future thing Mm -hmm. is like, that's just a, that is an interesting idea, kind of. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah and i have to have a little bit of respect for the way they just toss aside the whole time travel conundrum issue. <laughs> They're just like, fuck it. We're going to draft people from the ba- from the past, you know? Well, Who um- cares if it screws up the timeline? There is just like what if one what if one of the people they draft was supposed to have discovered the glacier where the white spikes were. And the reason that glacier wasn't discovered is because they drafted the person before you get it like i do so like but they just say fuck it they're just like
1: Well, all right, so this is a little weird because in some ways this gets to the core of what you said the screenwriter was interested in, which is the idea of drafting older people. And indeed, the the problem is they sort of engage with this and then they sort of just say, fuck it. Because they say, oh, did you notice that they're only drafting people who are clearly going to die between now and 2050, whatever. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. And also that the soldiers that they sent back in time are clearly so young that they haven't been born yet. So that they haven't, you know, and it's like, okay, they've clearly thought that part out. They have not thought anything else, else out. That's the nope. that's the beef I have. Like so, among other things, if you you know if you think about this for even a half second, you realize it's not just that they have to draft people that are going to die sometime in the next you know thirty years. They also have to draft people presumably who will not father or mother children during that period as well, which dramatically cuts down on the draft. No wonder
0: board. there's only five hundred thousand yeah. people left. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. So
0: with like, the attrition rate for their new soldiers. Yes. And then I. I, I you know what? I'm going to say it now because this is the dumbest
1: part of the film, which is to say you have developed time travel technology where you can go back in time and presumably take any resources and then bring them forward with the idea of actually fighting the White Spikes. <laughs> the last thing you need is infantry. Okay. That's the thing they're going for. We're going to go for <laughs> infantry. No, maybe. I don't know. You've got <laughs> tanks
0: and shit. You've got we, planes. You've got organs. We barely use infantry now. Yes. Yes. Like you know, like drones. no one fights a war. No one fights a war the way that they're fighting a war here, right. which is just like putting people on a field and like have them clash. I mean, they make it the, the particular scene that they have here mm-hmm. is a, a form of guerrilla warfare, which I guess we still do use infantry yeah, yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. But the whole thing is not guerrilla warfare. <laughs> it's like. It would be a great use of drones, I would yes, say. Yes, exactly. Like, like just saying, a... just like, what about drones? Also, by the way, apparently it took 12 months to really all institute
1: this. Like, if you have a global R&D crash program, you're going to come up with some really interesting shit in 12 months, is all I'm saying.
0: Like, you know, among other things. And I... someone would have thought of the whole, why don't we find out where they came from thing. Yes, yes. Speaking of which, yes, okay. I will continue the plot.
1: Okay, thank all you, right. Anna. Go for it.
0: With the future no longer an option, whatever that means, there are riots everywhere except where the plot is happening. Those places are okay. Dan and they still go to right, high school apparently. They still go to high school. Yeah. There's a there's a just totally high school class. They do mope about the end of the world coming, but they're in their seats, yeah. which I don't know. Dan, you're the teacher. Like I. I'm thinking a lot of students might skip.
1: Yeah, you know what? That's that that's, that that <laughs> biology class was incredibly well attended. The attendance of that biology class. He must be a really good teacher, is what I'm saying.
0: Like you know, I've taught I've I've taught classes when it just snowed a little and people <laughs> show up. So I know.
1: mean, to be fair, he's a super scientist with rock hard abs. I don't oh, doubt. Oh, and that it he's also like a is
0: Chris Pratt. Yeah. I might show up for Chris Pratt. You know, he's a popular you know, teacher. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So Dan starts to try to get the band back together, like all the people that have come 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 back with him from the future. There is a character who's a tough guy, who's unafraid of the white spikes because he's gonna die anyway because he has cancer. Now he collects white spike claws, conveniently. And then also conveniently, another person that they served with studies dirt. He works at what I, what is always referred to as the Amazon of Earth Sciences, which I don't know what that means, but I love it. <laughs> So anyway, so they have someone who studies dirt who might be able to find clues. Now, when they first said they were going to do that, I was like, that's smart. They're going to like find some kind of microbe or something. Mm -hmm. But no, what they're going to do is see where the dirt came from. Surely these claws no longer have dirt from the original place. Yeah, let's they... be clear.
1: This guy has had this like white claw claw around his neck for three tours presumably. Yeah. He's seen some shit. That thing could have come from anywhere. Like it's, it, you know, it, it
0: yeah. yeah, and also the white spikes are getting born a lot too. They're having like successive generations ah, right. of white spikes. Anyway, yeah. anyway, 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 anyway. <laughs> Science comes in. Science saves the day. He takes the claw to the friend who works at the Amazon of Earth Sciences It has a weird result. I'm not going to get into it. The hero of the movie is a young biology <laughs> class student We will say more about that later. He is one of my favorite characters. (laughs) They figure out the White Spikes aren't from the future at all. They're from the past. They're buried in the Russian Arctic, and they're going to emerge as global warming causes the snow to melt and unfreeze their ship. Dan somehow gets direct access to the Secretary of Defense. They're just doing the walk and talk like a Sorkin thing. Look, super
1: scientists with rock hard abs get immediate access (laughs) to...
0: he's not even a real super super scientist because he gets denied the job at the beginning of the movie for no reason. That was just bureaucratic politics, Anna. That was
1: bullshit, okay? okay? He really is a super scientist.
0: Anyway, so Dan has direct access to the Secretary of Defense who tells him, (laughs) no, we won't do this mission that would keep the white spikes from ever happening because... Reasons. It's not. It's literally not clear. He does say, like, everyone's fighting or he something. He doesn't like.
1: literally wave his hands, but I, you could tell the actor wanted to.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dan, because he's the main character in action movie, refuses to give up. He gets the band fully back together, except for the larger-sized guy and Marilyn Lynn Raska, who died in the first reel. Luckily, they have no skills to impart to the crew. Otherwise, every single person that survived happens to have a specific skill that helps them in their fight. Dan goes back to reconcile with swole J.K. Simmons, who also happens to be a pilot and a (laughs) professional smuggler. What do you know? They fly under Russian radar, which I gather, Dan, very easy to do. Oh, yeah, totally.
1: Like, Like, like I've done it four or five times. It's well known to do. Secretary
0: of Defense, kind of wrong about how hard it would be. They immediately find the ship just (laughs) in the Russian Arctic. They're just like, oops, there it is. Uh, They find out that the White Spikes had been cargo. Great. And they're not born yet. They're in these weird sacks. Mm -hmm. Um, This does imply that the white spikes are a biological weapon. They poison most of the white spikes, and the guy that was going to die anyway does a suicide. Movie continues. (laughs) Mama, (laughs) the mama alien, sorry, white spike, is on the run. Charlie, James, and Dan finally managed to kill it. It's actually not a terrible scene. There's some bad dialogue, but the actual fighting is kind of cool. And it turns out a father-son hunting trip is just the thing to get Dan and James back on speaking terms. Yay! (laughs) Who needs family therapy? In a concluding voiceover, Dan tells us that he never tells anyone, especially Murray, about the whole thing that happened in the future because, I don't know, like...
1: The time variance authority will get to him or something. Yeah, I don't I mean sure. really I just you know
0: it's, there's no whatever. like it's just they not even because it's voiceover, you don't even see him wave his hands. <laughs> but somber voiceover, he says something really stupid that I'll say in my hate section. Yes. Dan, would you like to comment on the last half of the movie?
1: It was just so fucking stupid.
0: <laughs> it got stupider. I had watched the first half, and I texted you. I was yes. like, this is pretty dumb, but does it get dumber? And you were like, oh, yeah. It
1: gets so it much gets dumber. dumber. But that's it. I, I did rewatch the the scene in the high school, and I agree with you that there's... We'll get to what we liked about it, but... like. Yeah, like, the only thing I will say is that I can see where they're going to come with the sequel on this. Because the sequel, presumably, is you think there was only one ship that crash-landed on Earth and that was frozen. You know there are going to be others. And furthermore, presumably, the other interesting thing is that I suspect they're going to, like, it's going to be like Alien Prometheus where... It's like, we need to know about who are the pilots that were carrying this cargo. And I'm sure they wind up being the villains in the next, in the sequel, whereby somehow the white spikes are weaponized against them or it becomes an alien v. Predator thing or something.
0: I am really glad that we have this somehow documented so we can look back at it to see if you were correct.
1: Fair enough, yes.
0: (laughs) Dan, you know, we both mentioned that there's some stuff that we found somewhat redeeming. Is there anything that you liked about the movie?
1: There is. There were things that I liked about it. It was not like so, you know, there were there were legitimately some things that I, I found kind of nice. So, first of all, I was surprised that climate change winds up being the driver because I have to admit that you're out the entire first half of the film. I'm like, they're from the future and they're not talking about climate change because by then it's really going to bite pretty hard. And this was literally the only subtle thing in the film is that it turns out that climate change <laughs> that is correct. Is,
0: like they it, don't? That's the one thing they don't bang you over the head. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> <It's> like,
1: <laughs> it, it turns out that climate change was the driver, but they didn't. But in a sort of funky way, in that the white spikes had landed here. Cent, you know, millennia ago, and it was only as the Russian you know, Arctic was melting that it comes out. So, so perfectly fine there. I like that. I really like Sam Richardson, who plays Charlie, the best friend.
0: The scientist. The scientist. One the scientist. of the scientists. In, in the- One of the hero scientists. Let's say that that's actually kind of a cool thing.
1: I have right to say, there. also like, you know, the Black Nerd Hall of Fame in movies is not huge, but he is immediately like inner circle in that. He was really good. Uh, he was particularly good in that high school scene. I thought that was quite yeah. good. I also thought J.K. Simmons was excellent, but I'm going to defer to you because I think you also were a big fan of him as I said there was some effort to explain who was going to be drafted but actually the more I think about this the more it pisses me off because it was like hey we've made an effort oh it's break for lunch we're not going to think about this anymore that's literally <laughs> we
0: solved one part of the time travel yeah. conundrum but you know what fuck it yeah like-
1: they didn't like they didn't do any of the work the one thing I will ad- I liked about the final scene or the final like action scene is that you know was Chris Pratt telling the Mama spike to die and it was such a bad line that they actually acknowledged it in the script where J.K. Simmons says you know, you actually said that. Like, you know, it's like I, th- I actually thought. Did that. she
0: die? He was like, you told her to die, yeah. and she did. Yeah. Why didn't you say it sooner? Exactly. Yeah, that's a good line. That was that's a good, a good
1: line. line. I thought that was that's well done, line. and it was it was a nice yeah. sort of play off of like normally cheesy action movies. And that's pretty much it for me, uh, Anna. What about you? I, I believe you like this movie, uh, parts of this movie as well.
0: Yes, I will say, like like you said, there's not a huge black nerd hall of fame in Hollywood. And this was a really diverse cast, Like, and they didn't really draw attention to it. It's true the main characters were white, but mm. a lot of the other characters were not. Yeah. And And some of them stayed alive, not
1: all of them died. And also,
0: and that was not like the sassy one either, or like the street tough one. Yes, the street smart one,
1: yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So I appreciated that, Mm -hmm. and I appreciated that the scientists, specifically, were people of color. Right. I thought the white spikes sometimes looked kind of cool, I have to say. Like, the first side of them I thought was pretty Mm -hmm. scary. Also, when they overrun shit, yeah. At the at, at, when the um, the oil
1: rig or whatever the
0: when they're at the oil rig yeah, or whatever, yeah. like there's a scene of white spikes taking over a cruise ship. Never mind where the cru- how the cruise ship got there. Let's not. Nope. Nope.
1: Nope. I just like it's bad like, things happening to cruise ships. Frankly, so yes, I kind of do yeah, too. Yeah.
0: you know. So maybe it was just like a ghost ship, like floating around. Anyway, <laughs> so they overrun a cruise ship, and then there's another scene of just like when all of the white spikes like rise up, and it's like ants overrunning a hill or something, and mm. they go into the protected area the offshore oil rig right i mean chris pratt like he's like an affable guy that you enjoy hanging out with usually it's like like, the guy at the party it could be a really shitty party Mm. but if the person you're stuck talking to is chris pratt it's you know the hours are going to go by a little quicker so that's what that i think and i don't think it's just that he's cute because i also liked him on parks and rec pre like swole right
1: so here's the thing. I think I agree with you, but this also was one of the things that pissed me off about the movie. Because yes, Chris Pratt is fine in it. I don't have any disagree, you know, objection to that.
0: He's Chris Pratt. But th- I mean, but- he plays the same character all the time. But
1: right. But in this case, I think what they actually what the what the movie failed to do was exploit his Chris Prattness. Like you could have taken Tom Cruise and put him in that role, and it wouldn't have been that different. You could have taken any generic action star and put him in that role, and it wouldn't it, have been it- that different like we imported a little bit of Chris Prattness just because we know his other roles and so forth but I actually didn't think the role itself was all that interesting or I
0: agree yeah and I it's funny the way that they could have done more with it though is to actually just do more Chris Prattness which would be to have him a little more self-deprecating right like because that's the kind of funny although it's he's been swole for so long like it's now no longer oh it's the guy that used to be the nerd who's now hot well he was hot when he was a nerd too but you know who's now got muscles right that was kind of the joke of his characters for a while, and now he's just now he's just hot. Yeah. You no, know? you know what it is. It, and
1: this and this is going to sound weird. I think one of the worst things that could have happened to Chris Pratt was the Jurassic World succeeded way beyond what everyone thought because he was fine in that. Again, it wasn't like he was he's been bad and all this, but he's just totally generic. And so the result it, is, is that yeah. you put those are not good movies. Yeah, they're really not. And so this, in some <laughs> ways, falls into that exact same category, which is again totally fine, not picking on him, but like between chris pratt here versus Chris pratt in guardians of the galaxy guardian he's so yeah. much better oh, i mean
0: he's yes. so much better guardians of the galaxy yeah. like that is the character i really would like to hang out with. right you know? exactly i mean yeah. like and the one the, the guy in jurassic park is actually just a dude bro like yeah. he's kind of annoyingly a little bit sexist too yeah, that's as true. i recall yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah all right and then the best one yes that's true in the movie we both agree yes, yes. they have to go to the kid who's obsessed with volcanoes. <laughs> Which is a little bit of a joke at the very beginning of the movie. Congrats on you know Chekhov's volcano obsessive, yeah, right. Yeah. So they go to him. He has the answer. They, they're like waiting with bated breath. What can he tell us about this weird dirt finding? And Charlie, the played by Sam Richardson, the, yeah, the guy from the Amazon of Sciences, says,
1: "I would have killed for a moment like this in high school."
0: And that, I I laughed out loud. I did. I, re, I, I legit laughed out loud as fellow nerds. Yes. No, no, no. We. I, I was like, <laughs> I'm
1: right, right there with you, Charlie. You are absolutely correct. Same. Totally. Like, yeah, I was it was that one moment where I like, OK, I'm enjoying this. Like, you know, and not in a, a so bad it's good way.
0: All right. So, Dan, I'm going to ask you a pop question, pop quiz. Yes. What would have been your specialty, like the area of expertise that if the whole world depended on it, you, could, you would have been the person they called on and it would be the unexpected area of knowledge?
1: Oh, God, it would have been decoding something, I think. Like if there was some code and I had to like,
0: were you like a obsessive code breaker? No, I, like
1: I, I'm not. Sure. I'm trying to think what I really obs- I mean, I was obsessing about history mostly, so it would have had to been like some like something about ancient Rome, maybe that would have like. See, would... that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Maybe that like
0: would have if been it. like yeah. I I can I I like that because mine would be like. C.S. Lewis trivia, <laughs> like. <laughs>
1: But I think this is a good nerd question. We should you ask know. this. We should ask this on the Discord or uh, on the uh, Patreon yeah, page. Like, which is, what is your like? What it, given your someone is given your high school saying. skill set, what is the the what is the category of knowledge that like if the future of the world hinges on it, you would be able to say, yeah, I got this. Don't worry.
0: Yeah, I, and I'm trying to think of what the situation would be that like the C.S. Lewis trivia would come into. Play. Oh, I'm sure. like, No, it could be
1: like a mastermind <laughs> terrorist who was also obsessed with C.S. Lewis, and therefore like all the code names are like C.S. Lewis. Yeah, or yeah, something yeah. Like that. There we go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: I did enjoy J.K. Simmons, who is always good. So I don't know how I feel about this whole character or comic actors getting super buff mm. thing, which is apparently kind of happening. Yeah. It's because they get cast in Marvel movies or, I guess, action movies. Mm. But the best example is Kamal Nanjani. Nanjani, I think. Yeah. Nanjani, who <laughs> documented his journey on Instagram. And I do think he was pretty upfront about, like, I don't think I can sustain this. I don't think it can be sustained.
1: I mean, it sounds like I, I think there's there are like you
0: basically can't not eat. Right. Or like you, know. you can
1: eat like the most bland, like it's just chicken breast the whole time. I mean, I, my understanding, yeah. I think Anna Faris before he di- she divorced Chris Pratt said flat out that Chris Pratt was much better to be around when he was chunky Chris Pratt as opposed to swole Chris Pratt because swole Chris Pratt, surprisingly, was grouchy because he was hungry all the fucking time.
0: Well, also because carbohydrates are actually really important for brain function. Really? Yeah, that's the, the yes! kind of glucose. I know. I right? choose to believe that. Okay. But <laughs> so that's why sometimes people on the keto diet, mm-hmm. like, get kind of ditzy and annoying.
1: This explains Not like, so goddamn much. Okay. Yeah,
0: it, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So I can imagine. And yes, people on diets generally are annoying. And I also just want to point out that <laughs> women obviously have to stay on these diets. Like, the men in Hollywood are allowed to be, like, swole for one movie you know go off of it not be although that's so not enti- like I, and then
1: that's not entirely true like i remember reading drew, drew Barrymore did this like when she was doing santa clarita diet she would have to diet to get into you know santa clarita diet shape but then she would totally like go back to like mom drew Barrymore for six months and then have to go back i'm not I sure think, that's really I think healthy
0: a, i think there's a lot of demands on women in hollywood to stay i'm not going to deny that, that, that not, fact. yes that are not made of men but although, anyway
1: okay yeah all right i'm good no, wait. No, I'm not going to let this go. I actually think... Okay. No, I I literally... I, this is something that I think has changed over time. And I think perhaps Marvel is among one of the reasons, which is... Oh, yeah. You are now seeing more like... You know, more men in these kinds of movies have to essentially, I think, conform to certain body types that are really hard to sustain in a way that was mm-hmm. not true, I think, 20 years ago. And I this is
0: it. why, actually... The percentage of men with eating disorders has skyrocketed yeah, in the past bet. twenty years. Like this is like a serious. Yeah. This is. I'm, I'm
1: not denying women have it worse. A
0: gen, genuinely serious issue, and I I kind of don't want to say women have it worse because you're right. No, no, I, like I think women do have demands... it worse, but
1: like it's gotten worse for men. Is my point. That's what I, all I'm trying to yes. say. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: I think we can agree. I think we agree.
1: Excellent. Good.
0: All right. Speaking of J.K. Simmons, though, the other great line <laughs> is he is referred to as Conspiracy Santa. <laughs> I laughed out loud at that one too. Yes. Uh, also, I think that final battle is actually pretty well done in terms of like fight choreography. I didn't know; I genuinely didn't know where it was going to go. Like, they're fighting in the snow, and there's a couple of like moments of like, "Yeah, I would, how are they going to do this?" I
1: would put it slightly differently, which is what was legitimately not clear. And maybe this, this is a credit to the screenplay. I wasn't; sure, I was surprised everyone lived who did. Yeah, I, I, was, I was expecting too. someone to buy it. I was particularly expecting, and and maybe this is because actually it plays on. Previous action movies, but like you would have understood if Charlie died because the minority character often tends to die because he's sacrificing himself <laughs> and so forth. You know, this is awful to say, but it's a trope and it's a bad trope. True. Or it's J.K. True. Simmons again, like burned out yeah. grandfather. You would have expected, him and to and also
0: go. doing it for his son, yes. like that's sort of. And but I actually kind of appreciated he tries to he tries to sacrifice himself yeah. for his son, and his son is like, no, no, exactly. Yes, it was good. Right. So that was legitimately
1: yeah. surprising. It was, All
0: right, I think we've covered. Everything that might be even a little redeeming.
1: Yeah. All right, Anna. Let's. Oh, wait, I got one. Oh, I got oh, one. wait, wait, one. wait, wait, wait.
0: They're watching the World Cup. <laughs>
1: Which, no, that pissed me off, too, because the
0: World Cup no, is No, it's kind of, it's funny. It's like, and also maybe in a two years, that actually will be the thing that, like, everyone tunes into. It
1: will know? be, but, like, what like, pisses me off is that, so I, this is the IR part of me, which is the World Cup is in Qatar, frankly, for incredibly corrupt reasons. FIFA oh yeah, is, no, like... and
0: slave labor built the state. Yeah, stadiums. slave labor
1: built the state. There are the human rights abuses in terms of building them, and also it never made any fucking sense to actually ever have the World Cup in Qatar. Oh,
0: and it's also too hot there, too, right? exactly, right? which is they, why they it was in Christmas. At one point, they were going to, yeah, that's right. That's why it's in
1: Christmas. Christmas. There is actually a line in dialogue in the film about that. But basically, like, all it reminded me of is just FIFA is the absolute worst. And, like, literally, people don't trust international organizations in no small part because FIFA is so fucking corrupt that you can't even get me started with it. The
0: Olympic, the International Olympic Committee being a close Yes,
1: exactly. So, but yes, but but I grant you that was a clever sort of signaling focal point thing. Yeah. All right. Ana, however, let's get to the... Again, Like even though we're we're talking about the stuff we like, there's the stuff that we hated sort of creeping in. So let's get to what we actually hated. Ana, tell us how you really feel about this film.
0: So just off the top of my head, the first thing I came up with is when Chris Pratt and his daughter, grown daughter, right. like do the action hero thing where they're like, let's go back to back. <laughs> and it just feels weird. Like, it's like... It just feels like blood. it feels like, even though they're fighting the white spikes right. it feels somehow a little bloodthirsty in this very odd way like mm-hmm. that kind of goes against father or daughter I don't know I just didn't like it. That's interesting. Very okay. soon after that we get a no <laughs> Like a classic the main character loses someone no mm-hmm. and also she goes down into a fire in a fiery yes, thing. Yeah. It's a, it's like a cut and paste scene basically. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the fact that the riot, there's rioting everywhere except Northern California. Yes. <sighs> <He
1: So. does. laughs>
0: um, they have a ragtag band, <laughs> as is required in, in these kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. Unclear where they get their equipment. Again, I suppose it's from the Amazon of Earth Sciences, whatever that means. Or the actual Amazon
1: place, for all we know. Like, <laughs> the maybe, actual maybe, Amazon, and, like, The world is rioting, but Amazon is still functioning. You know? And,
0: of course, like their Scooby gang have all the exact right skills. Right. You know they do have a remarkably easy time getting into Russia.
1: Yeah, that was some bullshit there. <laughs> that was some real big bullshit going on. I mean, like, I don't care if you're J.K. Swell, J.K. Simmons, and, like, an expert at smuggling. I'm pretty sure you're not an expert at smuggling yourself into Russia.
0: Yeah, I, mm, I think so. Russia's not and competent
1: about a lot of things. D- defending their airspace? Yeah, they're going to be a little pre- pretty competent about that, I think.
0: And speaking of them defending their airspace, yeah. the whole, like, no one would have noticed... The ship before right. that apparently is creating a huge magnetic anomaly field. Yeah, Russians like to look in their own space a lot. Yeah. they know their they know their resources. Yes. Let's say right, yes. <laughs> like that's I guarantee you. John McCain you- once described Russia as a like a gas station with a flag, gas station like with that. nuclear
1: weapons. I believe gas yeah.
0: station with nuclear weapons. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so they know what their resources are, yeah. and I sort of have a feeling they would have found this. Yes. Maybe. There is it is like a weirdly, how do I wanna say, America First movie, <laughs> given the circumstances. Hmm. When they talk about going going to find the ship, they all agree. And I'm gonna quote here, if we get the world governments involved, it'll be a nightmare.
1: I mean Dan That's super friends level bad dialogue there. And yeah. also
0: I mean, they j- apparently just got together for a world draft you know, a world draft seconds. that curiously
1: only has Americans in it that we can see. You know, know, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: But apparently there was this, uh, you know, literally unbelievable level of world cooperation. And you get a chance to go back and destroy the white spikes before they happen. But no, don't get the world governments involved. Damn it. <laughs> and then in the in the voiceover at the end, I think it's meant to be meaningful. <laughs> Chris Pratt says, "It turns out, my best future was always right in front of me." Excuse me, this I is need true of all futures. This is right this now. is yeah. uh, this is true. This is just a true thing. Like. You know, you know, what would have really been. Better? Where was he looking for it before? You know, it would have been better. Like,
1: it would have been better if Chris Pratt had closed when he's like, you know what I learned? You have to live your mile. You, uh, sorry, you have to live your life a quarter mile at a time. He should have just or, totally stolen the Fast and but, Furious I, line,
0: or just I enjoy, enjoy the present. Right. I mean, that live would in have the been moment, lame. I don't know. Yeah, but at least would have made some sense. Like the lesson of my best future was always right in front of me. Is like yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay chris next thought yeah and then i already said like i don't i don't immediately see the sequel but you know people will do anything for the right ip so yes dan your turn
1: oh god okay so I, i've already complained about chris pratt but again Chris Pratt's performance is fine, but, like, it's just a waste of talent as far as I'm concerned. My complaint will be the many Chekhov's guns that are just left lying around this There's entire the, fucking movie. The Chekhov's
0: movie. volcano expert is actually an exception. Yes, expert.
1: and I, I, again, like, credit, they actually went back to that. But, um, so, the, the most obvious one is that one of the things we learn about the White Spikes is that they always rest on the seventh day. And it's, they call it the Sabbath. They call it the Sabbath. Ha, ha very good. That's never used again. Like, it's, it's, it's like a line of dialogue that presumably should be telling us or leading us to somewhere interesting. And yet, much like Army of the Dead, when they talk about the zombies coming back after a rain, it's like a premise that just is intriguing and then sort of left on the floor. The parts in terms of the plot that really infuriated me, though, were the parts between Dan and Grown Up Muri, which make no fucking sense whatsoever. And I want to stress this as much as possible, okay? Because
0: there is also I know what you're going to say. Sorry, sorry. It's she literally says to him, Mm -hmm. "I wanted you here for a reason." Right. Exactly. That is an actual line of dialogue. So everyone, just keep that in mind.
1: The entire that section is set up so like. Oh, he's going to do something that's really important and so that's why she needs him to survive and go back into the past. Gotcha. She knows
0: something about the past, about the past into the future and so on and so forth. No, it turns out that's total
1: bullshit. Okay. Turns out none of that is true. So like, you know,
0: and again, or it's not bullshit. It's just, we never find, we never out. find out. We was like, never. And, and
1: also like it, it further, like it, they double down on that. It's not just that like Mur- grown-up Muri wants Dan there. Also grown-up Muri orders Dan not to like leave the helicopter because apparently he's too yeah. precious to risk, which again
0: implies that he's got to do something really important and then he goes off risking himself a lot too like it's not right. like there's never like oh I need to think about well no she gets upset purpose-
1: about that but like also you're right like if he if he had thought like a little bit about it in some ways the problem is that he's upset with the bad screenwriting too yeah. clearly <laughs> like you won't also, tell me why and also there's the other thing she doesn't ever I mean, first of all, it turns out there's no reason. But if there was a reason, you presume she would have actually given it because it would have been the thing to do. I mean
0: Or or again, she he can't know what it is yeah, for some reason. It's like But there's it's just like I, I I brought you here for a reason.
1: Right. And it turns out the reason is basically anyone could have gone back and reproduced the toxin. Like they've got to mass-produce the toxin. That's fine. It didn't have to be him,
0: it could have been anyone. Maybe it's because of his close relationship to the Secretary of Defense.
1: Yeah, there we, go. there we go.
0: And actually, also, like
1: this was the other thing that annoyed me. Like, actually, in the very first, like when when the two of them are only talking by radio comms because he's stuck in Miami and he gives his name, she shows no recognition that it's actually her father, uh-huh. which is weird because again, it's not you know Dan Forrester is a somewhat common name, but not that common, and also presumably she would have remembered his voice and all of that, and yet it was like. Someone directed Ivan Strahovsky to say, "Show like you don't recognize this guy," which was weird again. And so, yeah, like those were all multiple, like sort of plot strands that just never really work. And also,
0: I got another one we haven't mentioned. Oh, there's
1: there's one other one I would say, which is Murray. Fi- Murray finally unloads on her father, complaining that he
0: he left them, he yeah. left
1: them. They got separated and then divorced, and then he died. And it's like, I it was it was. Frankly, didn't I mean? I guess the whole point is that it's supposed to be family is is really important. And but like, it's telling to me that even she apologized for unloading on him later. It was almost like the screenplay, the screenwriter acknowledging, yeah, that probably didn't work terribly well. I,
0: I was going to say that the problem with that scene for me mm-hmm. is that there's no indication there's trouble in paradise. Mm-hmm. Like the family looks extraordinarily happy. Yes, the wife like is unusually. Like- Content. Betty
1: Gilpin does a great job of playing supportive spouse. You know, indeed, so supportive. There's
0: no like. So supportive. There's no indication that he, why he. Because that would have been another way to yeah. like have it end is if they're fighting and stuff. Mm,
1: that's And he goes off yeah. and
0: he finds out that they separated and it hurt right. poor Muri so much. So when he comes back, he's like, I'm never going to take you for granted again. <laughs> but no, it's just like. She shows up to meet him when he comes back, and it's like, yay!
1: No, in fact, she's so Happy. supportive that she's actually the one who figures out, hey, maybe the white spikes have been that's there right. before, and like <laughs> makes a joke about the out. fact of like, now who are you going to give credit to? And he's like, no, I'm totally going to take credit for that. The man,
0: yeah, she's totally cool with that. Yes,
1: like, you yeah, know, that's like the ultimate and supportive wives. I want a wife that's supportive. Erica would never support me like that, but <laughs> <laughs> now she would. I'm sorry. Um,
0: now, Dan, we have covered a ton. Yes, but I happen to know. Mm-hmm. There's other stuff that made you mad in this movie yes. that had to do with your day job.
1: Okay, so this is the IR, the international relations in this movie is really dumb. And it's rudimentary and it is mostly done through the lamest exposition I have heard in quite some time. You know, including things like a worldwide draft has been instituted without any sort of suggestion of how that would actually work. And again, it's this weird mismatch between saying there's a worldwide draft and then we only see Americans from then on in in terms of the the film. The world just constantly freaks out. In this movie, like, you know, they're freaking out about the fact that there's a worldwide draft. Then the future collapses. They freak out again. Again, we only see this, like, on the television screen or when the defense secretary talks about it. We never actually see any real world implications from that, which really bothers me.
0: And people are still showing up for biology
1: class. Right, exactly. We don't, t- you know, it's just whatever. The secretary of defense at one point just sort of casually says, you know, like, there are riots and, like, I love the the thing about the, the the riots in the cities like it was Johannesburg, Buenos Aires. I can't remember where else. It, I have to wonder literally if the screenwriter like put names of cities in a bag and then drew them at random to like you know get the appropriate list. But also then just sort of casually throws in NATO is disbanded a week after apparently the future is gone or you know they decide to disband NATO. I mean I'm sorry for fuck's sake. Also why like yeah why why <laughs> why.
0: What is what is what is what about NATO? It's holding people up from like I like the idea that somehow know, there was
1: some pundit said, We should just ban NATO now. The reason this didn't work <laughs> the reason this didn't work is because of NATO.
0: Like, and also as you know, famously Dan, people can't wait to get out of NATO. All those countries yeah. are just like shit. I hate this club. Finally. I don't want to be here. I did not want to be part of NATO in the first place. Yes. <laughs> no one's like clamoring to get in. No, no one like it's like Yeah, we're being sarcastic of people. I know.
1: And then finally, of course, as we've pointed out repeatedly, Dan just being able to walk up to the Secretary of Defense, who apparently just hangs out in an aircraft hangar or something, like, you know, Mm -hmm. saying, you know, just pitching the plan and so forth. And, and, like, you know, again, Dan is the only one who apparently realizes that this is a thing, that maybe this is the way to go. Again, I just found that ridiculous
0: yeah it, it, and also uh, just more on the secretary of defense thing which is just another it's just weird like once some a movie starts to bug you in this way you start to notice everything that's a little yeah. weird so i thought it was going to be a laugh line when he's that they show the secretary of defense giving like a welcome speech to the draftees mm-hmm. and it's like your heroes etc cetera, etc cetera. i thought you were going to get a laugh reaction because it was going to pull back and this was going to be like a videotape <laughs> like they play for everybody
1: Nope. It was right just
0: them nope yep. He does this for every recruiting class, which happens every day. (laughs) <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Anyway. and the, the, yes. So the,
1: the last thing, which I've talked about repeatedly, but just to, to stress this point.
0: You no, know, we really must stress yeah, this point. Which this is, is really, really important. If
1: you're, you know, the one, the one IR concept this is trying to get to is the logic of a preemptive attack. There are times where it makes sense to attack preemptively if you know that your opponent is going to attack and that the attack is imminent. Therefore, you know, you would do so really, really as early as possible. And yet, like, when they come back in time, all it's like, yeah, we just want infantry. We just want people to come back and fight the war now. Is We
0: just want cannon fire. Yeah. Like that is it. That is like it. There's no like, maybe we should find out. Like they just, when they, we, there is some dialogue given to like, no one knows where they came from. Right. That seems like giving up pretty easy. Yeah, like yeah, and
1: also by the way, a worldwide draft would never fucking happen. I'm sorry. Like, oh you know, yeah,
0: just, Do you just want to keep up with <laughs> just keep up with that. This would never happen. It would never,
1: never happen, and that's why. Like, there was so many lines of like sort of you know cable news dialogue or secretary
0: anything the that, anything
1: that you saw on a cable news channel or that the secretary of defense said just remember just have the phrase bullshit running through your head as they're doing this it was
0: oh I know so I get to do the journalism equivalent of this? yes fair
1: enough please the,
0: the anchor mm-hmm. that they have like doing for one thing it's one anchor right, right. that they use for every time they go I'm to sure all the others were drafted use,
1: but yeah it's
0: one anchor yeah. and he's like unusually mellow <laughs>
1: I kind of thought he was like a sort of off, like a, a, a low rent Anderson Cooper. That was the yeah. The vibe I he got. does
0: seem like he he's like his the, the, his vibe is like also like empathizing, yeah. you yeah. know. Like there's
1: riots everywhere, <laughs> you know. It's like dry, It's like FM
0: radio. <laughs> it's like it's worldwide riots. Yeah,
1: worldwide world riots everywhere. All right, now let's play. People have
0: lost hope. For, people have lost hope for the future.
1: Now let's play this hit by Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs>
0: All right, Dan. No, no. I'm gonna it's go. my
1: turn. I say say, Anna, like oh, I've, I've oh, been grumpy for a okay. while. No, no. I've been grumpy for a while. It's your turn to be grumpy. Did you get mad about anything regarding capitalism during this film?
0: The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> this movie in and of itself is a distillation of late capitalism. Whoa. It's the kind of mass culture entertainment that is experiential planned obsolescence. <laughs> the mental equivalent of pressing record and erase at the same time.
1: Whoa. Whoa.
0: And I do kind of mean that. That was an actually. awesome like, line of
1: film criticism, frankly. Keep going.
0: Thank you. Yeah. But I do kind of mean it. Like, this kind of disposable entertainment is not good. Like, it's a little, I mean, we deserve to be entertained.
1: Yes. Especially after okay. the past year. Yes.
0: Sure. But the kind of, the, you know, millions and millions of dollars went into this. <laughs> and it's literally a forgettable movie. And it's made to be a forgettable movie. There is something about schlock, mm-hmm. right, that <laughs> and kitsch. There's actually there are famous pieces written about Schlock and Kitsch about why they're kind of bad for culture. Like yes, a certain amount of them, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're you're creating things just to be bought. Right. And they don't have any heart to them, they don't have any art to them. You know, they don't they're edifying in no way at all. Now, I don't want to get too much on a high horse about this because I watched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> But I do encourage people to think about like the place of this kind of disposable entertainment in their lives. And I think it's good to be a thought. I think no- none of us can stop being consumers, mm-hmm. you know? Like I- here I am, a person in the world, you know? But I think the one thing that we can do is be thoughtful consumers. And that doesn't mean saying no to everything. That doesn't mean like being a, you know, aesthetic about it. But you know, like it's good to consider. Like for instance, the World Cup it is good to consider that slave labor built the stadiums it's going to be played in. Like, you should know that. Like, you can make a decision about whether or not you're going to go ahead and be able to enjoy the World Cup knowing that. But I feel like people should know it. So while the phrase thoughtful consumerism is a little bit of a contradiction in terms, I do encourage people to be thoughtful as they consume. Dan. So speaking
1: of thoughtful, the one way in which this movie honestly made me think... Was probably not what it intended, which is all I kept thinking really watching this movie was counting the other movies and the other intellectual property that this movie ripped off in one way or another or that were that was a subpar version of those films. So we've, we've talked about it before, like the way in which they discover the spaceship and the sort of structure of the spaceship itself seems pretty much ripped off from Alien as well. as It's Pameathias.
0: like a beat by beat thing yeah, as you like. Say. Yeah. This is
1: also clearly a ripoff of Edge of Tomorrow in a lot of ways the Tom Cruise film which is a really good sci-fi movie I would also add like like I, I really think that's a high quality film. This is not nearly as good but the White Spikes in particular reminded me of whatever it was that oh. the, the, the Tom Cruise character was fighting. There's a whiff of Independence Day in this film also mm-hmm. which is funny because Independence Day was also like derivative of a lot of other movies but actually like there was some heart in that film, whereas I don't think there is quite as much in this one. There is even in some ways a ripoff of Star Wars in this film because it's all about it's all about someone with daddy issues, Anna. This is all about father issues. It's Muri having issues with, with her father and, of course, her father, Dan Forrester, having issues with, you know, swole J.K. Simmons. And so, like, there's a couple of others going on. I, I kind of lost track at one point.
0: Yeah, you know, what makes me a little bit sad about this movie is I feel like, zach dean mm-hmm. did try yes like i think that like the stuff about the fathers and the big scene the big emotional scene where murray yells at dan yeah. but now we realize kind of for no reason yeah. like i feel like he maybe was dutifully putting in some emotional stuff but he was doing it he was and also by the like, way
1: like ivan Strahovsky and jk simmons the, the similar thing goes on with jk simmons trying to explain to to Mm -hmm. Dan why Vietnam screwed him up and so forth you know they're these are good actors and they're putting some effort into those scenes and it's like in a different movie those might have played better but like in this movie no
0: and also although I have read over and over this was so much fun to make (laughs) you don't get any sense of that you don't have any sense that this was something that like people were like excited about to be in or that they were having fun while they were doing it you know it seems a pretty paint-by-numbers thing, which sort of gets back to my, like, disposable, you know, entertainment. I do
1: wonder, like, this will be, I, I don't know, I assume this was made during the pandemic. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but, like, I... I don't think so. Oh, okay. All right, because, like, I kind of wonder if stuff that's filmed during the pandemic might not, as you say, might not quite have the same sense of joie de vivre, just because literally yeah. trying to do this stuff while you're seeing everyone else wearing masks might be difficult. But, yes, fair enough. Yeah,
0: that's true. I don't know. Hmm. But you know what? I don't care enough to look, because <laughs> we've spent a lot of time... On a movie that we don't like very much, but we had
1: fun doing it on it, and that's the we did have point. a lot of fun
0: doing yes. it, and we hope that you had fun listening. We would actually like some feedback about this because I think we're probably going to do more of mm-hmm. them. They will probably always be movies, yes, because we're not going to read a book just to do a mini.
1: No, no, no. This <laughs> is going to be basically we will do this for <laughs> movies and or yeah movies that come out either via streaming or actually in theaters in which. Anna and I maybe saw them and or like saw the trailer and like, eh, whatever. And then like turns out they were prompted a conversation. It's kind
0: of like stuff we were going to see anyway. Yeah. And then we figure out we have stuff to say about yes. it. And I can't think of any like great examples right now. I think the Snyder this Cut. Was, this the... is actually the perfect. The Snyder Cut's yeah. good. And this is also another perfect example. Right. Anyway, so we want feedback. And we will be taking suggestions as sort of, you know, life moves forward. Mm-hmm. It, especially, I would say also, if it, there's something that's like in the cultural eye for a moment. Right that everyone is talking about as they say Mm -hmm. uh we'll just join the conversation and i think we're going to probably do some of these as patron only episodes because we love our patrons and they deserve to get all kinds of goodies they really do which are again getting episodes early and i think oh you get some merch if you join at the upper levels it also comes out by like months it's how long you've how long you've You've been a patron. Access
1: to AMAs, access to the Discord yep. channel. These are all good things. Early access to the original episodes.
0: And of course, you're paying our engineering bill, which is given to us by Karen, mm-hmm. who then uses the monies that we transfer to her to pay for the kibble for her puppy. Alwyn. Alwyn. Mm-hmm. So you are helping to feed a puppy <laughs> if you become a patron.
1: And isn't that really the best? You know, in the future, I think the key thing is you need to take care of puppies, Anna.
0: Yeah. You know what I learned? <laughs> I learned you need to feed your puppies. You
1: need to feed your puppies.
0: And Dan, on that note,
1: keep this channel open for more.